The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to you fathers out there. What a joy and a privilege it is both to have a a great father and to be a father. We have together been working through Hebrews chapter 7, and so we want to pick up this morning with where we left off last week at verse 20, and we will work our way to the end of the chapter. Jesus is the better high priest. That has, that has been the, the theme that we've been exploring together. It is um, really the, the primary theme in, in the book of Hebrews. It's the only place in the scriptures that um, really um, instruct us and teach us about how Jesus serves as our high priest. There are certainly places in the scripture that allude to his priestly work, Anytime you talk about Christ's death on the cross, his sacrifice for sins, that's a, it's a part of his priestly work. But this is the only place in all of the scriptures that really um, digs in, in deep to show us that Christ is our, our high priest. And that he's a better high priest. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to show, that the Lord Jesus is far better, far superior than these these Old Testament priests, the Old Covenant, what Jesus brings, what Jesus offers, who Jesus is, what Jesus does, is so much better. And so he's he's looking, the Holy Spirit is looking just to to open our eyes um, to the glories of Jesus. And for that to be... um, the motivation for our hearts, not to, to turn again to, to things that never satisfy, turn again to things that, that in no way compare to Jesus. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews is doing, and he's, he's doing it in chapter 7 by the means of comparison. And so we, we started last week as the writer of Hebrews compared uh, Melchizedek, this, this Old Testament uh, shadowy figure, this, this priestly king mentioned in um, Genesis 14, he compares Melchizedek to Abraham to show that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham because he blessed Abraham and because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the correlation that he's looking to make is that Jesus, being a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. The priesthood began with with Aaron, Moses' brother, serving as the priest when the law was, was given. That Melchizedek preceded and supersedes the the. It's called the Aaronic priesthood, eventually through the line of Levi, the Levitical priesthood. That Jesus, because he's after the the order of Melchizedek, 
supersedes the, the Aaronic priesthood and that he is a, a better high priest. And that because he is a better high priest, because there is now a new high priest, that there is also with him a new and a better covenant. That was last week. This week the comparison continues. And here in the rest of chapter 7, the writer is comparing the, the Old Testament priests, the priest after the order of Aaron, through the lineage of Levi, the Old Testament priests to Jesus' priesthood. So that's the, the comparison that he's, he's making this morning. So what we want to see in these, these two things, both the, the Old Testament priest and Jesus as our better high priest, what we, what we see in the text this morning is inadequacies and abilities. It's the inadequacies of the Old Testament priest and the abilities of Jesus, our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 7, starting in verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? When there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. It is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. In our text for this morning. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath. By the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession 
for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priest, but the word of an oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Inadequacies and abilities. This morning we're going to not work through this text, um, you know, chronologically, verse after verse after verse after verse. That's not the way we're going to tackle the text this morning. Instead, we will first focus on the inadequacies of the Old Testament priests. And then after that, we will look at the abilities and the excellencies of Jesus' priesthood. Uh, I think it's, it's helpful this morning to be reminded of what the, the role of the priest is. What it is they are to do. Why? the Lord instituted the priesthood to begin with. Primarily, their job, their role, their task, their function is to work to solve our greatest need. All people who have ever lived since the day that we just read about in Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered the world, All people, regardless of the time in which they live, the place in which they live, the circumstances, all people have the same greatest need. And they always have. Now there's lots of things that masquerade as our greatest need. There's lots of things we we might think are our greatest need. But the reality is, whether people realize it or not, our greatest need is access to God. That's humanity's greatest need problem. See, mankind, all of mankind, is sinful. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the the Scriptures teach us, so we know for a fact that it's true because the Scriptures teach us and um, it is truth. He is truth. But we we, we can just look at our own lives, our own circumstances, and we can see firsthand the problem of sin, both the problem of our own sin and the problem of other people's sins against us. This is the world in which we live. Mankind is sinful, and sin separates us from a holy God. That's mankind's greatest need. How can we, who are sinful, and because of our sin, We have now been separated from from a God who is holy and outside of sin and without sin, not able to look on sin. How can we who are sinful now have access to God? That's, That's man's greatest need. That is the greatest question of eternity. And the reality is that because of our sinfulness, we need an advocate. Right? Our, if, if we can't approach Him, 
if we can't even come into his presence, then how could we ever plead our case? If there was even a case to plead. We could think we could get there and plead all sorts of things, but there is no justification for our sin, not in ourselves. No, we need an advocate. We need someone for us on our behalf to come before God in our place. We need an advocate. Well, that's where the priest comes in. This is why God instituted priests in the Old Testament. So that there would be someone who could come before God on behalf of the people to offer sacrifice for the sin of the people. But there's a number of problems. The first of which is the sinfulness of the priest. Right? If our sin keeps us from coming before God and we need a priest to go in our place, we need an advocate, but the priest is taken from among men, then how can the sinful priest come before a holy God? That's the, that's the first of the problems. And so God sort of began to show a way where he would offer sacrifices for himself. Well, how could he get there to offer sacrifices if he's sinful? You can see the, the problem here. The reality is, is that all of this was instituted both to show our sin and our need for an advocate and to teach us and to show us that we need someone different outside of our sin to go before a holy God. That's the first primary problem. The second of which is that even if, if the priest by the grace of God, are allowed to come before God to offer a sacrifice, the sacrifice that they would offer there is insufficient. It's not enough. This is, this is verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than the one named after the order of Aaron. If perfection had been able to, to, to be attained through the work of the, of the law, through the Old Testament priesthood, then why would there have been a need for another priest after a different order? That's, that's the question. The implication is that perfection was not attainable. And if you were, if you were with us um, last week, you, you begin to understand that this, this idea of perfection here, in, in our minds we think of, of moral perfection, and that certainly is um, part of what it means, but what's the implication of moral perfection? The implication of moral perfection is then your ability to come before God, right? If you are morally perfect, then you can come before God. We are not morally perfect. We cannot come before God. Perfection is access to God. That's perfection. Access was not available through the law, through the, the, the priests in, in the Levitical order, through Aaron. So there was a need for another priest. You take that and you compare it to verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which 
we draw near to God through which we actually have access to God. So what is it that makes Jesus the better high priest? What is it that makes him the better advocate, the better covenant, and the better hope? Well, it is clearly seen as we compare him to the Old Testament priests and their inadequacies. Well, the first inadequacy that we see in the text is that they serve without an oath. They serve without an oath. Verse 20, And it was not without an oath, this new priest, for those who formally became priests were made such without an oath. Meaning that in their service as priests, God never swore that they would be a priest forever. God never made a promise that they would be a priest forever. That there is no oath from God backing them. There's no promises from God concerning them. Here's here's what the writer of Hebrews is is trying to show. Remember, he's he's writing to, to Jewish people. And these, these Jewish people, these Hebrews, they would have believed that the, the Aaronic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, would have continued forever. Right? Because it, in their mind, this is solving our problem, our problem of access. But it, ne- it never does. So they would have thought it would have continued on forever. But there's no promise from God. There's no oath from God saying that that would continue forever. It doesn't exist. And guess what, church? It hasn't continued forever. There's no high priest making a sacrifice in the temple today. You know why? I've often wondered this. Why did it stop? If they thought it would, if they, if that's really the means for access to God, why did it stop? And the reason why it stopped is because the temple was destroyed. There's nowhere to offer it because that temple, just a, a shadow, and that offering, just a shadow, and that priest, just a shadow, and that sacrifice, just a shadow. The substance has come. There's no need for those things. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to show them. Listen, these Old Testament priests, they they served without an oath from God that they would be priests forever. There's no oath concerning them. And the reality is that their second inadequacy is the fact that they are temporary. They were temporary. That these Old Testament priests were prevented from continuing on in their office by their death. They were mortal. And because of this, there were many in number. Because they were always having to be replaced. Because they were always dying. Because it is appointed once for man to die and then to... The judgment, verse 23, for former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Their priesthood was inadequate because they have been swallowed up in morality. They have 
or immorality. Their, their sin and condemn them to death like the rest of mankind. They were temporary. The third inadequacy is that their sacrifices were inadequate. And because their sacrifices are inadequate, they had to be offered constantly. Verse 27, He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily. The Old Testament priesthood The Old Testament sacrifices were inadequate. They were not enough. And so they had to be offered constantly, both on behalf of the the priest's own sin and on behalf of the people's sin. You ready for a, 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 a good theological term? We love a good theological term here at Christ Central Church. What they offered was temporary expiation. Expiation. Temporary expiation. Do you know what expiation is? This this is what we we hope for in a sacrifice. It is that the the guilt, the guilt of of the party, the guilty party, is said to be expiated, taken away, when it is visited with Punishment falling on a substitute. The the wrath of God, the judgment of God is expiated, it's satisfied on a substitute. A substitute offering, an offering in your place. This is how they would come and, and bring an offering, a sacrifice as a substitute in their place. But the expiation, the guilt... The removal of guilt was only temporary because the sacrifice isn't sufficient. It was never the blood of bulls and goats that God required. True expiation is made for our sins when they are punished, not in ourselves, but in another who constantly stands in our place. Their sacrifices were inadequate. And so they had to be offered constantly. They themselves were sinful. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. They had to, had to offer up Sacrifices for themselves before they could offer up sacrifices from others. And then lastly, the Scriptures tell us that these Old Testament priests, they were weak. They were weak. Verse 28, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priest. Well, what does that mean, that they were, they were weak? That means mean they didn't, you know, they didn't lift? Is that what this is? They need to go to the... They needed to go to the Old Testament gym, just weak. No crossfitters among them. Man, I just had a really good dad joke, crossfit. It just just hit me. It's Father's Day. Jesus was the first crossfitter. Yeah. 
They were weak. They were weak. That was a good dad joke. What is their weakness? Well, their weakness is that they were unable to save. They were unable to save. They were incapable in their own weakness because of their own sinfulness, because their sacrifices were inadequate, because they themselves would die, because they had no oath from God. They lacked the ability to save. They were inadequate. They were inadequate. But Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus is more than able. He's more than able. First, because He serves with an oath. Verse 20, and it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one, Jesus Christ, the better high priest, this one was made a priest with an oath. And it was an oath that was given by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Jesus serves with an oath. This isn't the, the first time the writer of Hebrews has mentioned an oath and its power. He did so in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, and speaking of Abraham, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. That God swore an oath to Abraham, that he would fulfill the promises made to Abraham. The reality is is that God does not give an oath. God does not swear an oath because God needs the oath. No, He does so, so that we can be sure that God will do what He's promised He will do. God made a, a promise to Abraham... And He swore an oath concerning that promise so that we could be sure that God would do what He said He would do. That He would bless Abraham and that through His offspring He would bless the whole world. God swore an oath that He would do it. And then 1,000 years later, after that oath, God swore another oath through David swearing an oath about how that blessing, that oath, that promise to Abraham, how that would come. And that God would fulfill that oath through another oath that there would come an eternal Messiah priest. This is Psalm 110 verse 4. That's the verse quoted here. The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God swore an oath. God made a promise concerning the Messiah that He would serve as a priest forever, as an eternal priest. This is the oath from God. These Old Testament priests, they had no such oath. 
God never swore an oath concerning them. No, God has only swore an oath concerning the priesthood of Jesus, that He would be a priest forever. And it is this oath, it's this promise, that God would have Christ as an eternal priest that makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. That's verse 22. The guarantor of a better covenant. This is the only time in the New Testament that this word guarantor is used. It's not found anywhere else. It's not a made-up word. It existed outside of of the biblical record. We can find this word used in um, other documents for one who stands security. Now, that's weird language for us. One who stands security. But it, it's not, a, it's not a, a foreign idea for us. It, it was the one who offered his goods or himself as sure fulfillment of an agreement. Here's our sort of language. Our language is a cosigner. Our language is someone who comes and says, if they don't keep the promise to pay for this, then I will in their place, right? You don't have good enough credit or enough down payment or enough history with a bank and you want a loan to buy a house or a car or something like that. You go to your parents and you say, would you, would you co-sign on this loan for me? Don't do it. <laughs> And that's your, your parents saying, I stand as security for this loan, this debt. This, this, this is what the, the writer of Hebrews says of Jesus Christ, that this oath, this oath makes Him the guarantor of a better covenant, that He stands as security, saying, I pay their debt. It's good as done. Jesus is the better high priest because God has sworn to it that He will be a priest forever. That He will stand as security for our debt, not just momentarily, not temporarily, but eternally. Jesus is the better high priest. He is able because he serves with an oath and because he serves forever. Verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently. Why? Because he continues forever. The priesthood of Jesus is permanent. It has no end. It is unchangeable. It is unalterable. His priesthood, his service as our priest is eternal. He stands in our place as our advocate for all eternity. How? Well, because He Himself is eternal. It's interesting if you think about 
the comparison that these Old Testament priests, they were prevented from continuing on because of their death. Right? They died, they stopped being priests. But Jesus' better priesthood begins with his death and continues on forever because he now lives forever. When was he given the priesthood? He was given the priesthood after his death. His doesn't end with his death. His begins with his death. And it goes on forever because he lives forever. He serves with an oath from God. You will be a priest forever. And how is that oath upheld? It is upheld because he serves as our priest forever. Because he lives forever. Thirdly, he is the better high priest. He is able because his sacrifice was sufficient because he was sinless. He has no need, verse 27, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. What is it that we need? What is our greatest need? Our greatest need is a permanent expiation. A permanent removal of guilt. Our greatest need is an eternal solution. We need one to come in our place who is not sinful like us and to offer a sacrifice that really removes the guilt of our sin. And that is exactly what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is sinless. His earthly life was sinless. And His sacrifice was sufficient because it wasn't the sacrifice of bulls and goats. No, it was the sacrifice of Himself, of His sinless life in our place. What can take away the guilt of sin? The one who has no guilt of sin. The guiltless blood is the only thing that can remove the guilt of sinful blood. And that's exactly what Jesus offered. His sacrifice was sufficient because He is sinless. He is the only solution for our greatest need. He is the only way to have our greatest problem solved. His sacrifice, fourthly, was fitting. Was fitting. That's what this verse means, verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. 
It was fitting that we should have such a high priest. Meaning, this is, he is exactly what we need. This is the exact solution to our problem. When I, I read those, those verses and I, my, my mind, I can't help but go to the creation story. And the creation of Adam and animals and Adam names all the animals and he says, there's no one here fit for me. There's no one here that solves my problem. And so God made one that was fit for Adam. To meet his exact needs. And it was fitting exactly what we needed. The very thing we need. That we should have such a high priest. John Owen says, unholy sinners stand in need of a holy priest. And a holy sacrifice. What we do not have in ourselves, we must have in Him. Or we will not be accepted by a holy God who has such pure eyes, He cannot look on sin. Such a high priest is the Lord Christ. Jesus Christ is perfectly fitting for us to meet our needs in terms of both His person and His work. He's perfectly suited for our predicament, and He is perfectly able to serve us or to save us to the uttermost. And fifthly, He is able to save. Consequently, He is able to save To the uttermost. The law made nothing perfect because they were appointed in their weaknesses. They could not save. But He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. Since He always lives to make intercession for them. This means that the salvation offered by Christ Jesus isn't temporary. It isn't weak. It isn't lacking that He is able to save to the uttermost. Now this word uttermost has it sort of uh, two ideas wrapped up into one word. The first is um, the the idea of of span, of of time. It's, It's eternally. That Christ is able to serve to save eternally. His salvation never runs out. The second idea is not um, time, but scope. That He is able to save completely. That He's able to save perfectly, totally. That those who come to Him are saved completely forever. That's the That's the idea of He is able to save to the uttermost. But my mind went even somewhere else that we use that word. 
that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That not only is Jesus able to save eternally, and not only is Jesus able to save completely, but Jesus is able to save wherever, all people in all nations to the uttermost parts of the world. God is blessing the nations through the promise of Abraham fulfilled in the priestly work of Jesus Christ to all tongues, to all tribes, to all nations, saving all who come to Him, Jew and Gentile, completely for eternally. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to Him. How? Because He always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to make intercession for them. Now, we're, we're running low on time. We don't, we don't, we, we, we could, I could preach a whole sermon on this, um, and, it, and it probably demands it. But there's a, there's a, there's a, a theological idea that is held, um, especially in Catholicism, that Christ is constantly offering up himself as sacrifice. That's not what this means. To say that he always lives as our, to make intercession for us and that he, he, he's always there as our high priest. He's always save it, serving as our high priest. He's always serving as our advocate. Does not mean that he is constantly offering himself up again and again and again as our sacrifice. No, his sacrifice was once and for all. There is no, al- there is no altar in heaven. There is only a throne. He doesn't need to continually offer himself up over and over and over again through us taking his body and his blood or whatever else they they may believe. His sacrifice was once and for all, but his intercession for us is continual. Meaning that He has the power to keep us forever. And for all of eternity, pleading our case in the presence of the Father, their debt is paid in my blood. Accept them on my behalf. For all of eternity. Because His sacrifice is sufficient. It's once and for all, for all sin, for all who would come to Him. To the uttermost parts of the world, to be saved to the uttermost. And who is this salvation offered to? It's offered to all who draw near to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Because in Him there is a better priest. In Him there is a better covenant. In Him there is a better hope. This is the better hope. A great high priest 
was not sinful like those other high priests. Who doesn't serve without an oath like those other high priests. Who is temporary like those other high priests. No, his sacrifice is sufficient because he is sinless and he serves for eternity on our behalf as our great high pleads, pleading our case before a holy God, the holy, innocent, pure, unstained, sinless Savior, standing as security, the guarantor of a better covenant for all of eternity because he lives for all of eternity. Because he lives for all of eternity, we will be accepted by God in him for all of eternity. This is the better hope. Father, what good news this morning that our greatest need has been solved. A solution given, access granted, real, eternal expiation made, guilt removed, because we have a better high priest, a better sacrifice, a better Savior who isn't flawed with the inadequacies of the Old Testament priests but who is more than able to save, to supply our greatest need and through whom we can now have access to God for all of eternity. What good news. What a better hope. All we have to do is draw near to you by faith. Lord, if there's any here who have never done that, my prayer is that they would in this moment in their hearts draw near to you through faith. They'd put their faith in Jesus as their only solution. That they would confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts. That God raised you from the dead to serve as our priest for eternity. And may this be the good news that's always on our lips to a world in desperate need. In you we find the solution to our greatest need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.